This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. Well, what a miserable old day. Claudette is... It's gross. (laughs) That is the perfect way I would choose to describe today, especially with your tongue hanging out of your mouth. When words (laughs) fail you. Yes. You just make guttural utterances. I know. And, you know, um, a group that I socially run with, um, I try to keep up with them. We're supposed to be (laughs) running in this after work, and I'm just going on, you know, one side of me saying, do I go? Do I not go? Uh, really? Yeah, because they won't stop. You know, if it's like that, they'll oh, still probably go. They They're are diehards. diehards. I know, and it's been a while since I ran past couple of weeks, so, like, I should show up, but I'm still weighing my well, the options. the question is, are you diehard? Yeah, you know, I, I am in terms of snow. I have re- um, run before in snow masks, uh, ski masks. It looked like I was robbing a place. Um, I've done that, but I haven't. And I've actually run in the rain, but I don't enjoy the rain at all because it just gets in everywhere and it's just not yeah, comfortable. Miserable. Yeah. And then, you know, there's the warm up afterwards because I find once you get that bit of damp and cold. Oh, yeah. Then it's a hot bath. Yeah. Yeah. And the then, only way. And a big cup of tea. Yes. Not a tea, but a tay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you think it's bad now. <laughs> right? Yes. It's a pretty miserable day out there today with uh, with wind especially. Uh, but this time tomorrow evening, the commute home is going to be especially dirty if you're in the St. John's, anywhere from Gander to St. John's for that matter. Jim Prime uh, is a meteorologist with the Environment Canada Weather Centre in Gander, and he joins me now. Well, good afternoon, Jim. Good afternoon. So it's pretty miserable out there now. Uh, what are we experiencing right across the province? Yeah, we're at the tail end of a low pressure system that swept through the Maritimes. It started yesterday in the southwest, and now we're right at the tail end of this, uh, moving through the eastern and northern parts of Newfoundland on its way out. Uh, we're still getting some really gusty winds. I just saw some gusts to 95 at St. John's Airport. Uh, I know this morning we had gusts to 130 at uh, Port of Asque, um, and even right now right around 80 kilometers an hour from the southeast uh, at St. Anthony. So we're right along this cold front which has got a little bit of rain left in it, uh, but it's moving to the east, and we should be seeing improving conditions uh, into early this evening, into the middle part of this evening. And I saw some images of a, a transport truck tipped over somewhere in, I think, it's St. Paul's on the uh, in um, in the Gross Morn area. So um, the temperature relatively warm today, too. Yeah, it's, with this, uh, it's because we're getting that direction from the southeast, it's able to bring up some of that warm air. Uh, after the cold front goes through, things will uh, cool off again, uh, drop with the more southwesterly and westerly winds that will be coming in behind the cold front. Uh, but, yeah, it, it is a little bit nice sometimes when we get a little push of that warm air and we can keep things as rain so we don't have to shovel too early in the season. <laughs> no, but uh, that's going to be short-lived, I understand, especially for the east coast. What are we? What's in store this time tomorrow? 
Yeah, so we have another low-pressure system, which is just going to skirt by the eastern part of the province. Uh, and uh, some parts may start out as rain, especially uh, around St. John's area. Uh, but once we start to get a little bit more progression into the centre of the low, we start to get more into the colder winds in behind, and we're going to be seeing snow. Uh, most of it is going to be falling around kind of the St. John's, Gander area, along the coastal areas of the, of the northeast parts of the province. But we can see some in the interior as well. Right now, there's a special weather statement out, maybe looking around 10 centimetres or more. Some places might see around 15 centimetres. Uh, and that's going to be starting uh, Wednesday afternoon and then in towards the evening. So could uh, could cause a problem with some of the, the evening commute, uh, depending on what the snowfall rates are, kind of how quickly it uh, develops. Uh, but as a, as when everything's said and done uh, in towards Thursday morning, maybe around 10 to 15 centimetres. So that's fairly substantial. It seems to me we're getting uh, snow early this time of year. Well, I always say, you know, we live in the Maritimes, and uh, I know we were even looking at some other parts uh, before Halloween. There was snow, and people would say, uh, geez, this doesn't seem normal. And when I look back, it had only been a couple of years since that happened. So although we go through these warm and cold periods of time, uh, we can get these these uh, snowfall events, and then they melt again, and sometimes they stick around, sometimes they don't, sometimes we just get rain. Uh, I'd say since we're so influenced by the ocean, we get that warm air sometimes, we get the cold continental air sometimes. Uh, we, we're, it's always a mixed bag in the Maritimes for the fall. So uh, 10 to 15 centimeters, is that going to be uh, heavy water-laden stuff or easy to get rid of? Uh, I'm hoping at this point it's going to be easy to get rid of. It depends on when uh, we get that changeover from rain to snow and if we see any wet snow, especially, again, for the peninsula. Um, but uh, it, it, this is not really a strong system. It's really that it's just the center is going to be close to the island uh, as, it, as it moves by. Um, so it's not going to be this really moisture-packed, uh, really intense in mixed precipitation in the middle. It's really just going to skirt by and give us a little bit of snow before it moves off uh, to the north. So a messy commute home. Yes, I think so. So just taking those extra precautions uh, on the roadways, make sure you're leaving lots of time uh, so you don't have to rush and uh, take, uh, you know, drive according to the, the conditions that, uh, that are on the road. So what do we expect once this moves out? Uh, will it stick around? What will temperatures be like? Uh, after the, this low goes through, we are going to be influenced by high-pressure systems, so we're going to be cooler. It most likely will be sticking around for a little bit of time. Uh, but I have seen uh, in towards next week there might be a system that's that's a little bit larger. Uh, still, the models are not too much in agreement of it, but it might be going through the Gulf of St. Lawrence, so they might get some mixed precipitation uh, in with that. But at this point, a little bit too early to tell. But up until the weekend, it looks like we're just going to be cool and in towards a mix of sun and cloud and sunny weather. So it remains to be seen then uh, what uh, Santa's visits to all those uh, parades are going to be, whether or not they're going to be impacted this weekend. Yes, definitely. Uh, sometimes when we look at our long-range models, uh, we do see a little bit of agreement in, uh, you know, the the overall pattern. But with the day-to-day, -day, it's, it's, it's you know, we're still a couple days out when we're looking at the information just to get the exact uh, forecast. Um, so at this point, too early to too early to call. Jim Prime, uh, I appreciate it. We'll get our uh, snow shovels on the ready. Thank you. Thank you very much.
and uh, Jim Prime, God love him. Um, uh, I was going to correct him on the Maritimes thing. Oh. <laughs> I just decided to leave it alone. It's a, it's a common thing. <laughs> I, I My ears per perk up, too, when I hear that on, on television, because some people think that uh, Maritimes were included in the Maritimes. It's easy to think that. We yeah. have so, so much uh, similarities among our Atlantic Canadian provinces. But. Yeah, but... We We're are not. our own region, Newfoundland yeah. and Labrador, and let's not forget it. <laughs> oh, my run was canceled tonight. Oh, good to hear. Because of the current high winds, driving rain, and overall rather poor weather conditions. Overall. <laughs> yeah, overall it is a poor weather day. So, yeah, glad to hear you're not having to go out, go out and that. brave that. <laughs> yes. Uh, even though it sounded like you were ready to go. I, I am prepared. I have all my stuff with me, but it was just my mind. I was like, do I uh, want to? Do I not want to? The uh, age-old uh, battle, isn't it? It is. It is. You need sometimes a kick in the boot. But Mother Nature uh, did that for me. Did so. that for you today. Well, enjoy uh, your Day warm off. and dry <laughs> evening. <laughs> uh, presumably. <laughs> well, when we come back, uh, we're going to speak with uh, a senior land claims negotiator with the Innu Nation, Peter Panashaway, about what's going on uh, with uh, a current uh, bill to a Senate bill to amend the Canada National Parks Act related to the Mealy Mountains National Park, a new park being set up in Labrador. When we come back right after this, this is News Talk on VOCM. Santa Calls returns December 4th to your VOCM. And we are back. Well, the Innu Nation relieved that Federal Environment Minister Stephen Guibault has committed to reviewing a Senate bill to amend the Canada National Parks Act in ways that would have granted permanent rights to the new Mealy Mountains National Park to over 6,000 members of the Nunatuavut Community Council. Why is that significant? Well, the Innu Nation, which is one of a number of Indigenous groups that have rejected NCC's claims as Southern Inuit, says Minister Gibo has acknowledged that finding the right balance between recognizing Indigenous rights holders and providing opportunities to other local users is difficult. Senior land claims negotiator with the Innu Nation, Peter Panashway, joins me now. Well, hello, Peter Panashway. How are you, ma'am? Good, good. So the Innu Nation put out a release today indicating that uh, it was pleased to hear that Stephen Guibault is giving some uh, consideration to uh, this amendment that uh, was uh, put through the Senate uh, to allow... Well, you tell me more about it, actually. It has to do with the, uh, the new Mealy Mountains uh, National Park and who gets access to it. Yes. We have been ongoing negotiations with the National Park... Uh, for the last uh, these last 20 years now, but more specifically uh, since the uh, conclusion of the uh, impact benefit agreement with the National Park and the new uh, uh, incremental treaty um, agreement with, uh, with Canada and Newfoundland. And that allowed for the National Park to, to for its final submission into the House of Commons and uh, to our dis, uh, to our dis, uh Surprise! Um, we've uh, we've um, we noticed that the uh, Nunatuagut has been inserted into the bill, the uh, bill uh, S14, which is uh, a surprise and a shock to us because uh, Nunatuagut has no uh, um, um, role in the national park, other than the fact that uh, you know they live next to the national park out of Cartwright. And they have been making um, uh, great effort to uh, 
to uh, be included in the National Park Agreement. And of course, because they have no status as a as an Indigenous group, and they have no recognition under 1635. Um, and they they tried to be recognized three times uh, under 1635 uh, for having. Uh, Land uh, uh, land rights, and uh, um, both uh, three times they have been turned down, and so Nunatogwood has been making a, you know great effort to come through the back door, and so we saw it again with this uh, new bill, uh, S uh, S fourteen, uh, to uh, to be included in the in the national park, and so we went to the uh, to the hearings last week and uh, spoke to uh, Minister Gibo and. Uh, and Minister Gibo and, uh, and the senators recognized that uh, that the, the 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 bill cannot move forward with uh, the way it's currently worded, and uh, so there's going to be amendments, and the minister has agreed to to the amendments to reflect the uh, the uh, the understanding between the Inuit Nation and the and the national park, which had been, as I've said, been in negotiations for a very long time, and we had made. Uh, um, um, we had made except, uh, uh, exceptions to the to the uh, to to include um, uh, people that have cabins in the national park, existing cabins, and they were about uh, 40, 40 cabins, I suspect. If my memory serves me correct. Uh, and so we said those forty cabins will, you know, those people, you know, can keep those cabins and uh, and 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 their families. And um, what the uh, what the uh, what the national park did, their drafters, and uh, is allow for the Nunatogwood to be included in that, which means that uh, that uh, what could happen is that those six thousand members of the Nunatogwood, um, their families could all build the national parks in in in, in, in you know in the in the national park. Could could all build cabins in the national park, and that would, uh, you know, obviously create a huge problems because uh, um, we're trying to limit the uh, the uh, the cabin owners in the national parks. We're trying to keep it as pristine as possible, and um, and that's why the uh, you know it's it's become a very great, great concern to us. And should be a great concern to the uh, to the national park, and I think uh, the the minister recognizes that there's a problem, and uh, he's agreed to uh, make the amendments in the, in the bill. So you're trying to make, by the sounds of it, you're trying to make the distinction between traditional land use and people who've already had access to the area uh, compared to land claims, which is a whole other issue. Well, as I've said, we have many land negotiations for with Canada for over 30 years and the national park includes the the uh, the land claims process and and uh, the way it is the way it was agreed to that Inuit nation is the primary be- primary beneficiary of the national park that's 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 in law and the Inuits of the Nunatsiavut which is the northern Inuit would be uh, beneficiaries to 8% of the national park and the uh, and the new group um, of uh, which originally were the Métis groups have now morphed into uh, an Inuit group. Have now uh, are looking for uh, for uh, um, to be included in the national park as well. And uh, and Canada did make a did make a a, a um, I think they call it a sharing uh, arrangement with uh, uh, NCC where they would share information. 
and have a table with them to discuss some of the you know some of their issues. But it's not uh, but it's not a, a right that's recognized within Section 35. And so, but Nunatulwood through you know, through the through their MP uh, Yvonne Jones have been pushing for Nunatulwood to be recognized in the national park, and they've been working very hard to be to be included in that. And so is uh, Lisa Dempster, who is the MHA for for the South Coast of of Labrador. And so, uh, but the thing that we keep reminding people and reminding governments is that uh, the NCC is not a recognized. Uh, Indigenous group. It's a relatively new. It's uh, it was a Métis group and morphed into uh, you know into an Inuit group in about ten years ago. And no, not Seabot government, which is the northern Inuit, don't recognize them. ITK, which is the national Inuit organization, doesn't recognize them. The uh, Inuit Circumpolar um, Council does not recognize them, and that's an international organization that includes the Alaska, Russia, uh, all the northern Inuit. You know, uh, um, do not recognize uh, NCC. So no one recognizes NC except certain people within the uh, within the national park uh, uh, department. Um, forum that, uh, that you know they they're, they're 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 trying to make it easy for NCC to come through the back door, and that's what uh, was that was was noted in the uh, in the uh, in the uh, in the hearing, and I think the, the minister and the senators recognize that there's, there's a problem, and uh, that's why they've agreed to amend the the uh, the bill, which. You know, which is what uh, we had, uh, you know, which is what we asked, asked for, and we welcome the the uh, the changes. And so I'm going back uh, uh, to speak at the Senate uh, on Thursday morning, and we'll have our lawyers there as well, and they will be uh, making uh, you know recommendations how the wording should be uh, um, um, reflected in the in the agreement to allow for the way you know, what we understood to be the terms and conditions of the national park. Can it be changed at this late stage, uh, you know, at the Senate level? Absolutely. That's the purpose of the, uh, of the, uh, of the process. People can come and make recommendations as to, you know, or their concerns, raise their concerns and make recommendations. So that's what we did last week. And uh, as I said, the minister recognized that uh, there were flaws in the, in the, in the drafting of the, of the text. And he's agreed to, uh, to uh, you know, put together a team of people to to make the changes of the of the uh, of the of the bill. This, I think it's called S S S fourteen and uh, Bill S fourteen and um, and uh, and we're going and we are working with the National Park uh, legal team to uh, to sort out the wording. Um, but uh, we will be there on Thursday morning to make a presentation to make sure that uh, that uh, if there's any questions that the senators may have and uh, any clarifications required, we're we're going to be there to to make that to the to the committee. Peter Panashway, I do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Thank you very much. Bye bye. 
So that's Senior Lands Claim Negotiator with the Inu Nation, uh, Peter Panashaway, about uh, uh, this um, controversy surrounding the Mealy Mountains National Park and what Parks Canada uh, in the bill um, has. Uh, there's a new amendment that's been added to that. It's at the Senate committee stage. Uh, and... Um, they are uh, seeking to have that amendment changed. Uh, well, um, Claudette, uh, we talk a lot on this show and throughout uh, you know, our broadcast day here on VOCM about various scams, ways that uh, ne'er-do-wells are looking to separate you from your hard-earned money. Well, uh, this story now it shows that uh, payment processing company Interact says government impersonation is one of the most common financial scams plaguing Canadians. So that's people claiming to be maybe the CRA. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, the firm's director of cyber market intelligence and financial crime says you need to be cautious when receiving calls from people claiming to be government agents, financial advisors, or calling about international parcels. Interact survey found 42% of respondents reported dealing with scammers pretending to be representatives of official government institutions so uh, because it holds a certain you know authority, authority. or whatever uh, you know you don't want to go messing with the government especially <laughs> right? when it comes to your money there's so many implications that could come if you don't pay for bills so they prey on on your vulnerability that way yeah um, one of the things, um, you know, obviously I'm not an expert in this, but I feel that you could, a, a very simple thing to do is if you are unsure, is just tell them, can I call you back? What is the number that I can actually call yeah. you back? Then and you then will find you will quickly get a quick... A quick, yes, hang a hang up. up. Um, but there is something you can do too. You can look up a reverse phone number lookup online and then you can really find out who that number belongs to. So yeah. that might be but, an option for you. But now there's impersonating uh, local numbers local as numbers well. Local numbers as well. You're right. Yeah. Sometimes so. it's a 709 number, so you think that it's okay, yeah. but it's not. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and I've received them from 729, which is typically a government mm -hmm. number. So yeah, they're impersonating numbers as well. You know, the little. Uh, algorithms or whatever That's are finding right. uh, uh, numbers that uh, will fit your <laughs> um, area, if you will. So anyway, very interesting to, indeed. So just uh, be aware, especially this time of year, you know, when um, people pray to, well, you're right, this time of the year, charities too, because yeah, they, they might even pretend that they are a charity and you want to give to that charity. Exactly. We've seen those types of scams mm -hmm. in the past as well. So uh, just uh, be mindful, that's all, uh, when you're, uh, whenever you're dealing, especially if it's unsolicited. That's the usually the big red flag. Unsolicited. If, if you haven't reached out to them and they're reaching out to you, be suspicious is all I got to say right off the bat. Uh, we're up to news time now with uh, Noah Shepard, so stay tuned for that. When we come back, uh, the PCs have a new candidate in the district of Conception Bay, East Bell Island uh, to run in that district when uh, David Brazel steps down at the end of December. We'll have more on that when we come back right after this. This is News Talk on VOCM. Win your Christmas cash with a VOCM Cares for the Community 50-50 draw. Buy your tickets until December 16th at VOCMCares.com. 
And we are back. Well, a member of the Portugal Cove St. Phillips Town Council has been acclaimed as the PC candidate for the district of Conception Bay East Belle Island. The district has been represented for the last 14 years by David Brazel, who's stepping down for health reasons at the end of December. PC party leader Tony Wakeham today announced that Tina Neary will carry the party's banner when the by-election is called. Wakeham and Neary met with the media, including VOCM's Richard Duggan, earlier today for the official announcement. As you know, when I uh, ran for the leadership of the PC party, I talked about the idea of putting people first, putting people before politics, and talked about attracting diverse, qualified candidates that will look after the people of Newfoundland and Labrador. And I'm here today to officially introduce Tina Neary as the PC candidate in the upcoming by-election for the district of Conception Bay East Belle Island. And I have no doubt that Tina will continue the tradition of excellent work that was carried out for the people of that district by David Basil and will continue to be carried out by David, of course, until he resigns in December. I'm just really excited to be here. I think this is a great opportunity. I've been working at it for a very long time, so um, just very, very excited to have the opportunity to move forward and continue to represent the district as a whole. I presently am representing Portugal Cove St. Phillips as a town councillor, so having the opportunity to take this to the next level with the entire district is, is really what I'm looking forward to. So what made you want to make the jump to provincial politics? I spent a lot of time with the municipal level and um, I am a resident in that district and I see and recognize all of the challenges that Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are facing these days with cost of living and health care and I just believe at this point that I have um, more to offer and use my voice to bring all of this forward to the individuals in the district who are needing that support. Eugene Manning had indicated that he was interested in the district. He said after a conversation with you and other folks in the party, he decided not to run. Why was that? Can you shed some light on that? Well, I've had several conversations with Eugene since the election, uh, since the leadership, and uh, Eugene decided that uh, it wasn't his time right now to to seek a a seat in the House of Assembly, but I can assure you that when Eugene decides that it's his time, that he wants to seek a seat in the House of Assembly, we'll be there, and we would certainly welcome as part of our team. Did you discourage him from running? Oh, not at all. We've had great conversations with Eugene, but it's Eugene's decision on when he decides to run or not to run. You mentioned diversity. How important is it to you? I mean, currently the, the caucus has just one woman. How important is, was it to you to have a, a woman run? Well, it's not, it's not just about having a woman run. It's bringing somebody who has the experience and the knowledge, who's worked with people all her life. If you read her bio and talk about what this, this lady has been able to achieve thus far in her career and the experience that she's bringing with her, the fact that she's worked with people all her life. You know, the executive director of Inclusion Canada, you know, that says a lot about what she brings to the table and will bring to our caucus. Uh, Ms. Neri, what do, what do you think the challenges facing this district are right now? seen in just your time in council? Yeah, I, I think it's the, the cost of living uh, is definitely something that is causing issue for many young families. Myself, as an individual in that district, myself with my husband Brian, and our young family that we've been raising there, we see what's happening, and we and we feel that crunch that's there. So, cost of living, health care, um, not just in my district, but in the entire province. And so, it's definitely something that, um, that I look forward to working with within our district, while I know that there's great support there uh, coming from our leader, in the same words that he's speaking within, um, within the party as far as 
what it is we need to do to uh, to alleviate the crisis that's in front of us right now. What are you hearing from folks in the community about your decision to, to buy for this? I've received a lot of support, and to all of the individuals within the district, that overwhelming sense of support, I thank them for that. Um, but that's what I'm hearing, is that if there is anybody that's going to be able to use their voice and get the job done, then um, then it will be myself. And I um, am pretty excited to you know, prove that right and have that opportunity. Have you had any conversations with David Brazel? Has he given you any, any advice? I've had a lot of conversations with David Brazel. I consider him one of my strongest mentors uh, through this whole process. He's been very upfront and helpful through uh, throughout this whole process for myself. And as an individual who has represented the district fabulously since uh, since he's been around, um, it's it's just a great opportunity to continue to move forward and take that place and continue to do wonderful things like like David Brazel has done. So that's PC candidate in the district of uh, Conception Bay East Bell Island. Uh, Tina Neary, she's going to be running for the uh, Tories in that district uh, where David Brazel will be stepping down at the end of December. Uh, and that sound you heard in the background <laughs> wasn't like a, a, a engine revving up. That was the wind, Richard Duggan. That was the wind. So during that entire news conference, and you just heard it, I mean, the wind was just howling through the lobby. And uh, actually, when we went to Confederation Building for that news conference, I was telling you we opened the door and the wind was so strong that I had to grab a hold of it and I had to use, no joke, every bit of strength I had to try to close it. Like it was just that windy up there. Um, but the wind is playing a, a bit of havoc now. Uh, I just wanted to pop in and let you know that there is a power outage uh, affecting a portion of Bell Island right now, about 607 people um, over on Bell Island without power. And uh, that's going on as the winds are raging here and the rain is in the newsroom right now. We can That's all we can hear is just the wind and the rain pounding against the windows so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some more maybe throughout the evening given how strong the winds are going to be but uh, yeah it's uh, it's 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 a windy one out there and there's been a few power outages already that are resolved is that correct like I can expect this now with this kind of wind yes absolutely I, I have heard uh, rumblings that there have been some on and off uh, power outages uh, in various areas throughout uh, throughout the island so it's certainly something to keep uh, an eye on I wouldn't be surprised to see the lights flick or even uh, some power outages. Of course, the, the buys at Newfoundland Power are, uh, are undoubtedly out, and as much as they can be, uh, of course, it is quite unsafe to be up in those big buckets uh, in this type of weather, but no doubt that they're out and uh, trying to get those things resolved. But certainly something to watch now as the afternoon moves on uh, with a strong wind. Yeah, and just be careful out there, folks. Uh, it's uh, not the best kind of day. I wonder how many Santa Clauses and uh, uh, snowmen are going to be <laughs> flying around. Well, you know what? I, we just put up our Christmas lights last night and we got these new, like, uh, they're called Candy Cane Lane uh, lights, but, like, so they're basically the, these lollipops that you stick in the ground, but because they're kind of they kind they're kind of big in that, I'm sure that I'll come home and probably see a couple of them uprooted or something today. So yeah, watch out for that. Watch out for garbage cans out in the middle of the road. Or... Yes, indeed. Uh, garbage collection in the St. John's area was canceled today because of the 
weather. But, you know, not everybody knew that. So there's going to be a few, no doubt, there's going to be a few bins mm-hmm. flying around. So be careful. Oh, absolutely. And actually, when uh, going back to what we heard at Confederation Building, you heard that that very strong wind throughout the lobby. Um, when we left that news conference earlier, uh, myself and some of the other uh, reporters that were there walked out onto the steps to leave Confederation Building, and we were all just whoosh to the side <laughs> when we walked out. Well, it's windy on Confederation Hill at the best of times. All you can, whenever I think about Confederation Hill, I can think about that flagpole and the click, 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 click. Yeah, <laughs> you, you need to have. The winds everywhere else in the city need to be like zero kilometers an hour for it not to be windy up on on Confederation Hill. It's always windy up there. Always. So, you know, it's on that vantage and looking out through the narrows and uh, it is windy. And wow, I can't believe you you told me, you said you're going to hear some noises in that because the wind was howling and it was. It was howling right through the building. Yeah. And there's a couple of points actually when I was uh, preparing that clip for your show that like the wind almost overtakes the person who's talking (laughs) like it's that strong and it's usually not that bad in confederation building lobby but it was today wow well thank you richard uh, and we'll uh, keep uh, the people of bell island posted on uh, any updates on their uh, power situation any estimate uh, estimate on the time of restoration for them uh, around 6.30 is when Newfoundland Power is in right now. So. 6.30. So, uh, yeah, it's going to get cold uh, in the house. Hopefully you have an alternate source of heat. Uh, be careful out there, folks. Thanks very much, Richard. No problem, Linda. And uh, when we come back, uh, some measures announced today by the federal government to address high grocery prices. It's something all of us have been talking about over the last little while. When we come back after this, this is News Talk on VOCM. Make a request anytime by calling 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. And your request just might win you a cozy VOCM winter toque. Your Merry Christmas station. Your VOCM. And we are back. Uh, be careful heading home tonight. Uh, conditions really poor out on the highways. Water buildup. Strong winds and driving rain. So uh, take your time. You'll get safely to where you are going and if you don't need to be out tonight uh, it might be a good idea to hold off on uh, all the mad Christmas running around (laughs) uh, for a a better day. The uh, Federal Minister of Innovation Science and Industry Francois-Philippe Champagne has announced an update on efforts to address high grocery prices and improve competition not only in the grocery sector but in the general economy. Here's what some of Champagne said today along with Federal Housing Minister John Fraser. Over the past few weeks, I talked to you multiple times about we're doing what we're doing in order to stabilize grocery prices. I have mentioned the solution that we need, and we need more competition. I'll come back to that in a moment. But I would like to start by taking a moment to highlight that recently, certain grocery stores announced measures to give some relief to Canadians. The Toronto Star uh, reported that some of the major grocers have put forward actions following the commitments they made to Canadians. Is it enough? The answer is simple, clearly not. Am I satisfied? You know me, no. And I expect more, and I would say as Canadians expect more as well. But these signals are certainly pointing in the right direction. Something else that's pointing in the right direction are Statistics Canada's most recent numbers showing a downward trend in food inflation. And you can count on us to continue to hold the grocer's feet to the fire for more actions 
in the weeks and months to come. C'est pourquoi nous redoublons nos efforts. That is why we are doubling down on competition in Canada. That's something that hasn't been done in the last 20 years. When we talk about competition, we're talking about competition in all sectors of activity in Canada's economy. We know that more competition means more options for consumers, and that leads to better prices. Last week, in her announcement, the Deputy Prime Minister announced further measures and amendments to our Affordability Act C-56. Affordability Bill and the reforms that are proposed in the fall economic statement, we are bolstering competition across the economy in the names of Canadian uh, consumers. And I would say for people watching at home, this is uh, the most comprehensive reform, I would say, in decades in this country. And it's a cornerstone of what Minister Freeland just explained uh, about uh, the affordability agenda we have put. We know that the best way to have more affordability is to have more competition in this country. And let me tell you how we're doing this. Uh, we are doing this by giving subpoena power uh, to the Bureau to enforce companies like those in the grocery sector to provide information as part of market studies. And I would say uh, this is something that is much needed. And we were an outlier, I would say, in the number of G7 countries not having subpoena power for the enforcement authority. By only allowing mergers to go forward when those mergers uh, benefit consumers. I would say that goes without saying. That's why we need to reform Competition Act. By making it illegal uh, for large grocery chains to prevent independent grocers from setting up shop in the same commercial building or complex, and I can tell you I've been spoken to um, some grocers uh, south of our border, that has been one of the factors that has prevented them from looking at the Canadian market. So that's going to be very relevant. By making it easier for the Bureau to tackle abuse of dominance by large firms and to address anti-competitive behaviors. By removing barriers for repairing products. I'm sure people watching at home will be interested in that. That means manufacturers can face enforcement when they restrict access to parts, information, and manuals to limit competition, something that I would say a number of Canadians have been facing. And more will be included in the Fall Economic Statement Implementation Bill to tackle anti-competitive behavior. One of those that you would have seen is around, for example, misleading greenwashing that we've seen some uh, companies engaging in. Ensemble, ces réformes vont aider les PME qui souvent finissent par payer le prix. We want a good competition and we will invite new players who will bring new ideas, products and investments in sectors that were always dominated by the same players in our country. Good for business, will strengthen our economy and benefit all Canadians. Every day is a good day to fight for Canadians. And that's why we'll keep working to make sure these changes are adopted quickly. If the Conservatives really wanted to make life more affordable for Canadians, they would help us give more powers to the Competition Bureau by supporting this long overdue reform to the Competition Act. So with more, I will turn over to my colleague, Mr. Fraser, who has uh, some interesting thing uh, to tell you as well today. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here to talk about measures to fight the affordability crisis. And we want to 
build housing faster. At categories that'll uh, break down some of the measures included in the fall economic statement, which represent the latest uh, efforts to uh, uh, put policies in place that are going to help build more homes. Um, there's measures designed to uh, build more homes more quickly. There's measures designed to unlock supply that exists in the market today. There's some relief for people who are dealing with higher interest rates as a result of uh, changes to their monthly mortgage payments. And there's a systemic change within government uh, that I'd like to discuss around uh, the operations that will allow us to better mirror uh, or better tie together um, the housing policies with our infrastructure policies. Uh, so first, on addressing the challenge that uh, we need to, uh, to, to build more homes, uh, there's several direct measures in place that are going to help uh, finance the construction of, of housing in this country. Uh, the first is changes uh, to the apartment construction loan program. Uh, this is a program that operates by allowing the federal government to pass on a low borrowing rate that we benefit from in exchange for commitments from home builders who offer apartments at prices at and below what the market will actually bear. Uh, there's an additional $15 billion that are, uh, that are going to recapitalize this program, uh, which continues to operate with money that was already in the system. Just uh, to demonstrate that this program is having success, the week before last, uh, we rolled out more than $4 billion worth of loans that's going to result in the construction of almost 12,000 homes across this country. These are real projects, real buildings that are going to provide real homes for families, and the agreements are done and moving forward. We're going to continue to be able to issue more of these low-cost loans to builders to build homes more quickly. Uh, for a long time into the future with an additional $15 billion behind the program. Um, in addition to the low-cost financing uh, program that we've created, we have an opportunity to continue to invest directly in the construction of affordable housing to support low-income families. Uh, my view is your uh, opportunity to have a roof over your head should not depend uh, on whether you can afford a place in the market. Uh, the national housing strategy was built around the idea that we can be subsidizing directly the construction of affordable homes for low-income families. Families. And to see an additional billion dollars injected into our programs signals that we're going to continue to be making the investments necessary to build non-market housing stock in this country. But it's not enough for us to continue to put policies in place that will be future-oriented, though we must absolutely do that. Uh, there are things we can do in the short term to unlock supply that exists today. Uh, there's new measures that the finance minister has uh, put in place around short-term rentals. Uh, think about Airbnb, for example. Uh, the measures that we're putting in place involve changes to the tax system that are going to deny tax advantages to people who don't follow the rules within their municipalities or provincial governments. And funding that's put in place, $50 million to help with the enforcement of those rules at a municipal level. What we've seen in jurisdictions that have tried this is a remarkable degree of success extremely quickly. Uh, New York is one of the leading examples globally where they had 22,000 units on the market and a little more than a month later after they put new measures in place, uh, 19,000 of those 22 actually found found their way onto the market for families to rent. My view in a housing crisis is that if a municipality determines uh, that you have an opportunity to put homes on the market for families to rent for the long term, uh, then you should do that instead of making them available for a few days at a time. Um, also, still I, I, to bounce back, so my, my apologies for uh, uh, skipping over something important. Um, cooperative housing provides an opportunity over and above the affordable housing programs we have to continue to put homes on the market at prices that families can afford at different income levels. Uh, we're going to be moving forward with the uh, in excess of $300 million we previously committed to earlier in the new year and are making a change to the uh, policy around the GST break that we're giving for new apartment construction by including cooperative 
cooperative housing developments in that program as well. Uh, we anticipate uh, that this is going to expand construction of cooperative housing, uh, which uh, provides homes at, at reasonable prices for families, including a number of our colleagues who uh, are representing their communities in Parliament today uh, that are very proud to have grow up, grown up in co-op housing. So that's John Fraser, the uh, federal housing minister, and uh, François-Philippe Champagne, who uh, is the federal minister of innovation, science, and industry, about um, uh, grocery stores and the rising price of groceries, food food inflation, and about um, putting in measures to improve competition to get prices down right across the board, not just in uh, groceries. Uh, So that was announced today in Ottawa. Well, in the entertainment world, a Detroit judge has awarded properties owned by Aretha Franklin to the late star's sons. This was a whole thing. Do you remember this one, Claudette, where a uh, handwritten uh, will was found uh, stuffed between the uh, cushions of a couch years after she had passed away? Judge Jennifer Callahan cited a handwritten will from 24 14 found between the couch cushions that a jury had ruled was valid despite scribbles in many hard-to-read passages. One of her sons will get Franklin's suburban Detroit home that was valued at $1.1 million in 2018, but is now worth a heck of a lot more. Another was given a house in Detroit, and a third son will get another property. Franklin died of pancreatic cancer in 2018, and the discovery of the two handwritten wills months after her death led to a dispute between the sons over what their mother wanted to do with her real estate and other assets well that's it for us today we'll be back to tomorrow tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) i saw you leaning in there i said Uh, i have to see what she has to tell me so yeah um one of our uh, al antle is is uh, just uh continuing to tell me a little bit about his traffic experience today and he says it is just treacherous now I'm not exactly sure the entire distance but I know that he was traveling I think to Marystown and it took him uh, it would normally take him th- over three, fi- three hours yeah, and 15 minutes it took him five hours today it's treacherous oh dear oh dear driving conditions uh, also even closer to home he said in Galway it's just really treacherous out there so all right uh, be aware of that folks and uh, maybe we'll get to al in uh on the phone with our uh, friends in the newsroom and uh, do a little news story with him oh not to put pressure on you no live, pressure there al, al. uh so uh, the, but thanks for listening folks we're completely out of time uh news is next with noah shepherd uh do join us tomorrow thanks for listening